I'm a fool. I didn't think so. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this before. I think you just said something. Think, 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 think. Ah, hello, children. We're back. And, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, it's been a couple of things. One, Lou has a life. Like, you know, he actually works for a living, unlike me. So he's not always available to get here. Two, we are on Studio 3. (laughs) Yep. Uh, see, there's a surprise. That's why I'm apologizing. Surprise, surprise. I'm, I'm back. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm here for a visit. <laughs> um, we have moved from the sanctuary to the church office to like a dark corner of my office. It's better and better as each move. <laughs> at, this, at this rate, we'll be in the closet in a couple of months. Yeah, exactly. So, well, why are we here and why am I doing this to you and bringing Cameron along? Well, I need another human being to bounce ideas off of because we're trying to do SBC recap. I know it's been two months. I apologize, but I had to get through a meeting here at church because I didn't want to do this 17 times. Exactly. And so I wanted to get through all of that, get all the questions that people would have there, and then sit down and do that. And then it was a matter of waiting for Lou to get here, and then that didn't happen. And like I said, he still has a life and a job. So I'm drafting the other person who saw a lot of the goings on to help keep me straight. I have it all written down on the board behind you. You don't need to see it, but I can see it. So oh, okay. Gotcha. That helps. So Good. If you have no idea what I'm talking about... Rewind on your little podcast player, and you should find an SBC prep episode. And that should give you all a little bit of a rundown on all of the issues going into this other Memphis Convention annual meeting. The goal of this is to give you a recap on what happened with all of those issues coming out of the meeting. Make sense? Makes okay. sense. I hear the nodding of people looking at their phones, so we're going to go with that that made sense and continue <laughs> on. <laughs> I shall speak for the masses. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, masses. <laughs> <sighs> So, anyway, why do you care? Because you're going, well, yeah, you're an SBC church. When I say you, I mean mean us, we. But if you're not or you don't really know what that means, why do we care? Well, again, I always point out that the biggest reason why you should care is right behind me. I, hang on. (laughs) I have right here. You hear that fanning of pages and smacking of the books. The 2023 Annual Meeting New Orleans Book of Reports. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. A book so wonderful it's not even complete yet. (laughs) Oh, good point. Yeah, it won't actually be complete until October because like doofuses, we have an annual meeting in June when the fiscal year ends in September. Why we can't just have a meeting in October when the fiscal year would be done and you could get a full report, that would make too much sense. So this 200-page book is mostly complete. So if you want the actual complete information, you have to go to the last year's information. But this does provide you some information. Outside of the useless stuff like the calendar and all of the stuff they're going to talk about incessantly anyway, are things like this. Comprehensive Summary Operating Budget. Oh. For the fiscal year ending in 2022, which would be the last completed year. And this is for the SBC Executive Committee. No, this is the SBC. The SBC, So, Convention Operating Budget, IMB, North American Mission Board, Lifeway, Guidestone, Gateway, Midwestern, New Orleans, Southeastern, Southern, Southwestern, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, Historical Libraries and Archives, 982 million, 500, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the right number, Thomas. $513,976. Just under... A billion dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that is a lot of money. 
And this was la- this is the for the last completed year, which would be so, twenty. Yeah, they have so, a projected for twenty three twenty four. They yeah. have an estimated for the three quarters of the way done twenty two twenty three. Uh-huh. So the last completed year is twenty one twenty two. You're talking about a pile of money, and that's just what comes to the convention. Yeah, that's true. Contributions by state. Yeah, that's true because SBC is not the money, all money giving. It's yeah. also, you get it to state first, your local uh-huh. state, and then it goes to most of that. The SBC. That, the cooperative program in Granite Lifeway and IMB and North American Mission Board have money outside of the cooperative program, but the average, co- the average church only gives 4% of its operating budget to the cooperative program. 4%. 4%. And they always hollering for 10%. Well, yeah, because it's what they do. When in doubt, we all want what? More yeah. money. Give me more money. So you're talking about, when you're talking about the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're talking about billions, mm-hmm. with a B. With a B. Dollars coming in, going out, <laughs> donations of well-meaning Christians, everyone from that rich dude who gives, you know, millions of dollars a year to charity to that little old lady in the middle of Alabama who tithes her social security check. Yeah. You're talking about a little bit of everything. All adds up to billions of dollars. So what were the problems and what were the things coming out of this? Well, first thing we talked about, well, I don't remember what order we did this in, so I'm just going to go with the order I have on my list. Okay? That makes sense. Okay. So the first thing we need to worry about now is accountability. There were uh-huh. some big issues. I have seen all sorts of numbers. Um, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary mishandled and misappropriated somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million over the last 20 years. Oh, that's all. Just pocket <laughs> yeah. change. Oops. Remember that, remember that um, the commercial with baseball when they were on strike and everybody's fussing and it was a pizza commercial and all the guys met in the middle going, I've got about 500000 in my wallet. i got 6000 in my wallet. Yeah, the pizza, without giving pizza, that'll make them happy and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Oops, we just, all this money just kind of tucked away and lost in no man's land. Well, remember, NAM did that for the Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force. They yes. uh, they just, well, we got $4 million laying around. You need to borrow it? He's like, how? I know. Yeah. So Where did it come from? What's funny, about, what's funny about the Southwestern thing is mm-hmm. every year there's an audit done. Now, you don't get to see it, but there is an audit done, and the chairman of the board of trustees and the president of the seminary have to sign off on the audit. And say that it was within reason and that it was a good audit and that what is reported in the book, because here's what's fascinating. What gets reported in the book every year is, uh-huh. and I'm, I mean, here, you want me to actually, here, I'll, I'll actually find a number real fast and see if I can have anybody so that makes So what's any in the sense. book is not necessarily, what do, what do they mean by acceptable? See, that's what the chairman of the board of trustees and the president of the university say so that to their it is. discretion, yeah. what is acceptable? You have to just to take their word for it because the they're good Christian men and they would never do such a thing. Yeah, but, I don't think they're good, quote-unquote, Christian men, a lot of them anymore, from what I've, I've, well, I've been reading and but hearing. He, here's a, a lot case of in fallen. point. Southwestern okay. Seminary. So a, an, institu- an institution that has misappropriated about $100 million over the last two-plus decades. Mm-hmm. In 2021-2022, they said they had 35000 I'm sorry. I keep messing up my commas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to numbers this big, okay? Give me a minute. <laughs> $35,314,365. That's what they took in in revenue. Okay. Would you like to know what they spent in 21-22? So they took in $35,314,365. Okay. We'll just say $300,000. So $35 million, Oh, no, no, no. This matters. Oh, okay. okay. They spent $35,314,365. 
Oh, the exact amount. Aren't they amazing? They had a $35 million revenue, and they managed to account for every, every dollar. Penny. Every dollar. Every bit of it. Do you see why financial accountability was kind of a big deal? How do you account for every dollar every year? Because every entity's report looks like that every year. Yeah, that's true. They, they've never Knowing that the something. audit is coming in telling you you're missing by upwards of $20 million a year. Oops. Yeah, Oops. so that, that hundred million is over the course of a couple of years. Uh, about two de- two plus decades. Tw- so twenty plus years, they've misappropriated one hundred million dollars. Yet every four year to they six tell million us- dollars a year. Uh, could you imagine misappropriating four million dollars a year? What Put this pers- in perspective: in a thirty-five million dollar budget, a five million dollar misappropriation would be what one seventh? What is what my math people? What is that? Eighteen, nineteen percent? I was going to say, what percentage are we missing every year that they seem no, wait, acceptable? No, one fifth would be twenty percent. So, uh, yeah. so one seventh would be what, like sixteen, seventeen percent every year? Could you imagine missing your audit report by seventeen percent and being like, oh no, it's fine? So they that's to them is acceptable. Double digit mis misappropriation. We can't we, we we're we're messed up about seven by double digits. Not five percent, not three not not eight percent. We're in the double digits here. Come on. And we're what, just gonna What's a few million dollars between godly people? Hmm? Really? So, <laughs> the look I just got. Now this is why this oh, stuff matters. Again, yeah. I already mentioned NAM when they needed to do the um the Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force, the ARITF. Mm-hmm. Well, who's going to pay for this? Well, Nam just volunteered. We have $4 million in the Center Relief Fund. Where did you get just $4 million laying around? Nobody knows. Nobody this knows where this money just fabricated itself out of somewhere. They are all like, the Tony Rich Project walking around. They got money laying around, and nobody knows it but me. Yeah. See, this is, I mean, that's how they're functioning. And it's, so, uh-huh. the question became, we need some financial accountability. And yes. this has been an issue for a while. People have been trying to get reports on the audit. People have been trying to get more information. They can't get it. Two different people made motions this year that they would like to see SBC entities because, okay, let me rephrase this. Let me start over. As an SBC entity, you're required to operate under the terms of the SBC constitution, bylaws, and business and financial plan. Yes. So even though the seminaries and the International Mission Board are in and of themselves their own entities, yes. governed by <laughs> their own boards of trustees, mm-hmm. by being Southern Baptist Convention entities, in order to receive Southern Baptist Convention funds, they must abide by the Constitution and bylaws and the business and financial plan. So the question then became, can we amend the Constitution? One guy wanted to amend the Constitution and bylaws. The other guy wanted to amend the business and financial plan. Yes. I'm on board with both. both. Yeah. What they wanted to do was to require, and it has gone out of my head a second time. (laughs) There is an IRS form that nonprofit, that 501c3s, it's like a 993 or a 991 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere there is an accountant screaming at me. Sorry, Carol. (laughs) Yeah. She's what, the one we asked for the number. What this remember. form is. <laughs> yeah. Um, that they, they is, uh, for nonprofits. If you are a nonprofit, do. the IRS requires you to submit this information every year. It contains Correct. things like um, executive salaries, money expenditures, things like that. Now, some of the Baptist Convention entities do not have to file this form. Why not? Because the IRS does not require you to file this form if you are a church. And Southern Baptist Convention entities, according to the IRS, are counted as churches. churches. So they are not required to fill out these this information and submit it. I think it's 990, but don't go that. Yeah, that sounds right. So yeah. someone was like, well, we don't want you to fill out the form for the IRS. We would like you to fill out the form for us. us. We, yeah. we would 
We would prefer this information, actually, because that would provide financial accountability, and people would know information, and then we'd know what's going on. Okay. Well, we couldn't do that. That was referred to the executive committee. The executive committee will now get a year to decide on it and see what they're going to do. I'm laying my marker down now. The executive (laughs) committee is going to go on ahead and say, well, we appreciate the spirit and mindset under which this amendment was offered. And while we, too, seek the greatest of accountability as we distribute the gifts of our Lord and Savior to people, our current financial system provides such accountabilities. (laughs) And we encourage you to trust the trustees. They won't say it exactly like that, but that'll be with the uh, the gist of it. Yeah. And then decline at this time. I, I'm, I'm calling oh, I, it now. That's what they're going to do. That's Why? what they need a year for to, to make it legalized, to make the jargon sound good. That They're going to do that because They've they don't the want past. the accountability. No, because no they don't. There are questions about the again the when when David Platt was hired at the IMB this was a big scandal right right because he discovered all of a sudden he just showed up to work one day and was like you know the IMB hasn't made their budget in like fifteen years yeah. and I'm like well then how have they been paying for everything how is well, it they tell us they're making budget it turns out that the IMB owned properties all around the world from years and years because way back in the day mm-hmm. so like imagine the IMB would send missionaries back in like the 1920s to the Philippines. Well, they would buy property and build a house for their missionaries and for their staff and all of that good stuff. Well, the IMB has been sitting on some of this property for 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Can you imagine? The property what value. The, yeah. uh, what the uh, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain does not want to come up with any of these terms today. <laughs> what the vesting yeah. on that investment is, what the, yeah. uh, what the growth is. So they were selling all of this property in order to make budget. Well, that's a great strategy short term, but eventually you're going to run out of yeah, you property. run out of stuff that you own. Like and you now you're going to have missionaries that have no place to live and you have. So hence the great retirement yeah. of the David Platt years and the, the weeping and gnashing of fun. teeth. Try, yeah. yeah, trying to get it back to a reasonable number that was livable that could be functioned. Of course, people still to this day blame David Platt. It's his fault we don't have 6,000 missionaries anymore. We couldn't afford 6,000 missionaries. We only have 3,500 now. It's because all we can afford is 3,500. I mean, yeah, we never, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's been 20 point, years since we could afford 6,000 and we've never that. told anybody that we're having issues so. inflation has crept into everything mm-hmm. that was even back 20 30 years ago missionaries in the 1920s and 30s versus missionaries in the 1950s 60s and then the 80s and 90s and then now today they're still getting paid roughly the same imagine across the, the board well, no, they've wow. been getting raises but yeah, imagine, they have but been. imagine the cost of living increases it's, and yes. then imagine it in things like Life insurance policies. It, yes, and all the things insurance. you didn't have back then, the well, 1920s no, stuff, and 30s. Stuff that's and required, required for you now. to do international work. I mean, we're, yes. not, we're not sending you off to like the deepest, darkest Africa without a life insurance policy. We're just yeah, not. Yeah, we have to make sure. But those premiums didn't get cheaper in the last no. 50 years. No, they didn't. But they so. didn't. So they don't really account for that in the missionary salaries, it seems. Well, no, so. they accounted for it. It's just they lied to you about where the money was coming from. Because gotcha. what they were doing is they were selling the property and then just dumping it into the main account. And calling it gifts. Gifts. We give a gift to ourselves. They gifted themselves. I wonder if they deducted that from their taxes. I mean, they don't pay taxes, but I wonder if somebody got credit for that and was able to deduct that. Whoever signed, a trustee somewhere signed it. Hey. I wonder. That would. I wonder. mm. I genuinely. Oh, see, I'm a bad person because this is what I think. I I genuinely. But you know what? I'm never going to know and you're never going to know. No. That's the the problem with the system. So that's issue number one. Oh, that was one of my questions Uh was. 
how much does it say that each independent school gets from the CP? Not percentage wise, but dollar wise. Is that all, the, the seminaries are allotted a percentage. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember the exact number. I'd have to look it up. Um, the International Mission Board gets 51%. I think NAM gets 25%. And then I think the seminaries share something like 17 or 18%. And that money is allotted per student. Okay. So. You're basically, they take the 18% of the cooperative program funds, and then they take the total number of students and divide that number by the number of students, and that's gotcha. what you get paid per student. And however many of those per total students are yours, yours, you get you that get much. Paid. Yeah, you get that much money. Okay, I was just wondering if, they're, they're, if they found a loophole, a spirit of the law, legal or letter of the law loophole that the money cooperative program is giving. Yep, we're making budget. We are we are meeting. No, in that situation, they're stuck because they get that money, like I said, per head. So there's gotcha. great. This is why you always see seminary presidents bragging. We have the largest. En- there's actually a perk to having the largest enrollment. You get the most money. Yeah. Okay. So that's just, why you see them forever touting how many students they have and why they're forever trying to increase enrollment. Yeah, I'm just wondering how they can look at themselves in the mirror knowing that they're not meeting budget yet. And telling on, us they are. On paper, they're saying that they are. It's like, how are you using just the cooperative budget money that they give you is, is met or what? But, okay, when carry on. When you figure that out, you just, let me know. That's I'm always the, looking for the loopholes into how they could get away with yeah, it. Yeah, that's the, beauty of the, the, that's the beauty of the system right there. Gotcha. All right. Number two was the doctrinal stuff. Uh-huh. So there were two big questions about doctrine. Number one is what's come to be known as the uh, law amendment, the Mike Law Amendment to the Baptist Faith and Message, trying to eliminate – okay, this one always gets me in trouble with somebody. So there's always the question of the pastorate, and this is something we talked about in the recap, how Methodists and Anglicans and Presbyterians and Lutheran groups that have gone off the rails go off the rails typically over which issue? Uh, who can be up there pre- preaching? Who yeah, can be the, who's the pastor? First Timothy and Titus restrict the pulpit to a man. Man is qualified man. by Scripture. So, yes. again, I don't make the rules. You cannot like it all you want. That's what God says. Yeah, God says we're stuck. So, is what it is. Well, what what do you do when you have a woman on staff who's basically like a children's pastor? Or is she an associate of this or an associate of that? So what ended up happening is what gets lost in the shuffle, you're an SBC church if you do two things. Send them money yeah, and have a faith and practice that closely aligns with the Baptist faith and message. Okay? Correct. Now, who gets to define whether or not your doctrinal practice closely aligns with the Baptist faith and message? Uh, I would – I don't know. You do. You do, because there's no group within the convention empowered to go checking on you. Yeah, that's true. So uh, now if there's a problem, I could – so let's just say that we're next door to – like we're Calvary, and we're next door to like Second Calvary. Okay. And Second Calvary is an SBC church. They claim to have a faith and practice and a doctrine that closely aligns with Baptist faith and message. Uh I look over at them and go, but you, you baptize babies, and that is outside the purview of the Baptist Faith and Message. Well, so the Baptist Convention doesn't know this. Yeah, They're they not don't. investigating. They're not checking my website or their website. They don't or exist, but for, two, However, for one week a year. So. I can send a, an email to the credentials committee and say, hey, this church in my town is doing infant baptism. That is outside the purview of the Baptist Faith and Message. You need to look into this and disfellowship them. The credentials committee then takes my email, does their phone calls, does their investigation, makes a determination, and decides from there. Yeah. So, to rec- what they recommend. Last year, Mike Law asked some questions about that. Like, look, there's churches that have 
women as senior pastors that they're outside of the Baptist faith and message. When somebody said, well, report them, and we'll do our due diligence and figure this out. So the Credentials Committee got the reports, did the investigations, found out that there were several of these churches that had been reported in, and said, well, we're not going to do anything. Or we'll let the messengers decide. And then they decided, no, you're disfellowshipped. And then several of the churches appealed. Uh, so first, they weren't going to do anything. Secondly, they, they, did. they said, we're gonna, they're outside. And then they went back and said, wait a minute, we don't feel comfortable saying this. We'll let the messengers decide. No, so, no, 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 no. They, 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 they disfellowshipped them. Okay, so they were disfellowshipped. Yes, okay. and then the churches appealed. And if you appeal, you get to appeal to the messengers, and we get to vote on it. Gotcha. So the two things are kind of working hand in hand here. One is the Mike Law reports, and the other is the Mike Law amendment. So the Mike Law amendment would like to amend the Baptist faith and message because it currently says that while both men and women are gifted for spiritual for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men. Uh-huh. Okay. The problem is, is there are a lot of churches that's and that becomes the issue. And so the amendment was offered and the purpose behind the amendment is to eliminate that loophole, to loophole, to flat or eliminate it, to say, no, 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 no. When we say the office of pastor, we mean people who are, a pastor. pastor in your church. You are ordained. Only men can be ordained. Therefore, so, only men can be pastors because only pastors can be ordained that's men. That's the theory behind the amendment. It passed, and I think the, the, the platform and the people who run things were shocked that it was. However, of course when, they are. However, when you look at the voting, maybe it shouldn't have been a shock because five churches appealed their disfellowship. Well, they take that back. Really, only the three. Did. There, there were five that were disfellowshipped. I'm sorry. Yes. Four were for the issue of women in the in the pulpit. One was a mishandling of a sexual abuse allegation. That yeah. church appealed, and two of the other churches appealed. The one with the sexual abuse allegation, their disfellowshipping was upheld like 96 percent to four percent. It wasn't even close. Yes, I remember that. There I was that. a church in Louisville, Kentucky, that's an SBC church. Well, it was an SBC church that mm -hmm. has had a woman as their sole pastor and staff. Computer has locked up. There we go. Okay. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> know if the computer was still recording or not. It had uh, <laughs> the screen locked up. So yeah, apparently it still recorded all that. But yeah, I remember it got it got fewer and fewer. Can't take you anywhere. You ruin all my fun. The last <laughs> oh, one was sorry. the Saddleback one. Yeah. Rick Warren got up and spoke and tried to light himself on fire, basically. <laughs> Especially when you consider that since he has now resigned and is, you want to talk about a slap in the face. Rick Warren is now the like, like chancellor of Spurgeon College. Yeah. If you listen very carefully, you can hear Charles Spurgeon spinning in his grave. As we speak. There's an electrical storm somewhere. You, That's if, where all that heat's coming from in the you, south. If you could hook jumper cables up to Spurgeon's <laughs> coffin and uh -huh. then tell him, Rick Warren's running your college. Whee! Yeah. Forget, like, was it cold fusion and splitting the hydrogen atom? No, no. Mm -hmm. You could power the world until Jesus comes back off of the power of Spurgeon's body <laughs> spinning in the grave <laughs> over that news. So, anyway. Yeah. He's he stepped down. He's over there now. But they hired a husband and wife team to replace him. Yeah. And I, my favorite is they just did a. They're doing a at the movie sermon series right now, and they came out to preach. They came out to preach, uh -huh. and that's not a transgender thing. That's the husband and wife thing. That's <laughs> true. You gotta specify that. Dressed up as people from Toy Story. What was she dressed up as? She only she's, had one character. She's that Bo Peep chick, I think. Yeah, she only had one character, and that was little Bo Peep. That's it. There is no other character for her. And he was dressed up as Woody. Well, that makes sense. That was, they had a thing, so. That, this is what passes for churches anyway. So, yeah. Oh, so like it's you Halloween said, at their church all year Like you said, they, they were, their oh just gosh. fellowshipping was upheld like 88 to 12. Then again, again, rounding it off. 
So the fact that the law amendment passed, which it needed two-thirds to pass, that was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that, in order to be adopted, it has to be passed successfully by a two-thirds majority at two consecutive conventions. Yes. So next year's convention in Indianapolis is going to be fascinating as they bring back the information about the financial accountability and have a year to prep themselves for what's going to happen with the vote on the Mike Law Amendment. Believe me, I've already got people in my church talking about, do we need to show up as many people as possible and, and like, stuff the ballot box? And my answer <laughs> might just be, yes, yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah, as many as your church will allow, that's how many we need to send. <clears throat> so that leads very well into the, uh, the third thing, which I, I have titled Platform Shenanigans. Platform shenanigans. Yes, there were shenanigans. There are always shenanigans. And I don't mean like the microphone's not working. That stuff like that happens every year. I call it the curse of Wiley Drake. <laughs> I just, the whole microphone thing. The interest- I just think sometimes they should, after, before they move on to the next order of business, they need to clear the mics first and then start. Because once you start an order of business and the microphones get cleared, now it looks suspicious since it has happened in the past. And so it still astounds I, me, though, that supposedly educated human beings with most, billions, uh, millions of dollars. Most, I don't know. I don't mean them. I mean, the people in the congregation, oh, the people yeah. in the the, yeah. the messengers, most of whom are pastors, most of whom have at least a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. many of whom have a master's degree or beyond, can't handle the concept of we're talking about this thing right now. Mm-hmm. Does your microphone 3B, does your question concern this? No, no, I'm in line for the next thing. Then why did you hit the button? I know. Because, again, they want to make sure it's they're not, in line. But, but again, the time it, but again it's not, which again is the problem with the business meeting, is that it's a business meeting where they keep trying to shorten it to not be a business meeting. Just turn it loose for two days. Get rid of sermons and speakers and all of this and stuff. Music, all Put of the it. Report, the report is in the book. I don't need your 15-minute speech. Just let the messengers do their thing and ask their questions and get over yes. it. And on top of that, the number of guys who can't compose an actual sentence while asking a question or understand that this issue has already been taken care of or that it's not accomplishing anything. Again, from people that supposedly have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, doctoral degrees, PhDs, it's it just astounds yes. me to no end the difficulty that they have. But when I say platform shenanigans, I don't mean any of that. Oh, okay. I mean one which was a little underhanded. And two, which was a lot underhanded, but was also overlooked. The little underhanded one, which is not overlooked, was the asking permission to no no longer publish the Daily Bulletin. Oh, yes. I did not like that because I, I, re- I was at home watching it online and I was talking to you. I was like going, what do they mean? I mean, that's fine if they don't want to, if they want to do an online digital, but you can't not have it published because you can't even get their online stuff right. And which, by the way, their app completely is just junk. Agreed. It doesn't work at all. And there's no Wi-Fi in the convention hall, exactly. so my tablet to pull up the app information was useless. Exactly. So I so, would download everything at the hotel in the morning, uh-huh. adding an extra step, and I would still, even though I have an electronic copy of the Daily Bulletin, I would still go grab a paper one one. actually have one sitting right here yes you did why because that gives you a rundown of the previous day's events it gives you the update on none of that watching from home to know what's going on to keep up with what's going on that made me very upset i'd be honest them asking permission to not have to publish that anymore was fascinating to me yeah how daft can you be no (laughs) they're gonna they're gonna eventually get away with that because it's the digital age you know yes yeah exactly because nothing bad happens with digital it always works that was (laughs) the um that was the the slightly nefarious one that most people caught, the utterly nefarious one that almost nobody caught, 
Okay. Was the last business session of the day, the seminary presidents with uh, J.D. Greer and Steve Gaines and um, what's oh. his name? Merritt got together and yes. Bryant Wright, a bunch of former SBC presidents got together to make a motion uh-huh. and they got this passed. Yep. And it shouldn't have been. And to be honest with you, you can see my little ballot over here. I voted against it, but, you know, I'm outvoted. It is what it is. They want a committee. Oh. Now, last year and two years ago, they wanted a committee with all of this hubbub about the Baptist faith and message in the office of pastor and things like that. They wanted a committee to study what the word pastor means. All these big wigs who are pastors themselves don't know if they are pastors or not. Which I think it's fascinating that the guy who proposed we, we make that study committee was Greenway who was the oh. president of Southwestern Seminary, who hmm. was accused of basically embezzling $4 million a year while he's been at Southwestern, including things like taking out credit cards in the name of seminary professors without their knowledge. Yeah, I mean, if that, if that up, is true, and that has all been documented oh, being no, it's true. true. It's in the audit. Oh, it is in the audit. Okay, so that I, I remember hearing about it going, this cannot be true. This has got to be... Yeah, Hawkins and um, new chancellor and seminary president, Hawkins and Dockery, published the audit so that they could be as above reproach as possible, and... That's why they don't want to publish more audits because it, it looks terrible. But anyway, so I think uh, it's fascinating that Greenway proposed that and then was still campaigning for it in this year's convention. I'm like, dude, you should be in a prison cell. You might want to keep a really low profile. Yeah, I would think so. And too. I'm not kidding about that. Adam Greenway should be in a prison cell. What he did is illegal. I'm, I'm going to campaign yes. for that. Adam Greenway should be in a prison cell. Mm-hmm. And to be truthful, what he did was wrong. To be perfectly honest with you, he should illegal. be in a prison cell after he's tarred and feathered. But that's a different discussion for another day. Yeah, um, that's. That's despicable. The um, the thing they want to study now, and they got this passed, so we're going to get a study committee yep. who's going to deliver a report to the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in 2024 in Indianapolis, Indiana, on what is the definition of closely aligns. Yeah, because they can't go after the word pastor because the Bible already says uh-huh. that pastors for men. Now, if you want to know, why is so, that an issue? Because, again, what did I tell you are the two steps to becoming an SBC church? Give, give, give them money, money and, be, and have a faith and practice yes. that, that closely aligns with the Baptist faith and message 2000. Now, again, what does it mean to closely align? You have to at least look Southern Baptist. You would think that. But even, that's in the, the, even in practice as well as in the filing That's cabinet. what the committee is going to say. So what the committee is going to – I'm calling my shot now. You ready? Sure. What this little study committee is going to come back with is, is this. This is your prediction. There are churches that have – only male staff there are churches that practice different forms of communion be it open close or closed communion there are churches that have male senior pastors who then allow women to be under pastors underneath them and these are all things that we think closely align with the spirit of the baptist faith and message that's what they're going to say some churches have elders, and some churches have deacons, and some churches have single staff, and some churches have multi-staff. And these definitions all fall under the umbrella of closely aligned because closely aligned just means – this is my full prediction, right? Closely aligned okay. will mean not overtly operating in opposition to the Baptist faith and message. That's what it will mean. To not overtly – not blatantly yes, being in opposition. So a ch- and the reason why they're going to do this is because they're going to get themselves all in a tizzy because there is one segment of the Southern Baptist Convention that more predominantly than any other group of churches has lots and lots of women on staff as pastors. Yes, and 
they're also not it's not their primary job to a lot of them. It's a secondary Agreed. job for them. So it, it's, it's not like they and are I'm making... I'm going to go ahead and be the bad guy. Do you well, know what segment can... of churches this is? Yes, I do. It's what we would consider predominantly black churches. Yes. Yes. My mother worked at a... Uh, in her work, she had a woman there who she worked with who was also a pastor. And my, my mom and her would have conversations about this, about what the Bible says and such not. And the conversations got kind of interesting from time to time as to her perspective. But it's a, for her, it was a... It's very much a cultural thing. And they will tell you what this and committee is so, going to come back with is they're going to come ooh, back sorry. as you smack your microphone. Yeah. Normally I'm the one who does that. <laughs> I did it today. As um, they're going to come back and say that that closely aligns because they're following the spirit yeah. of cooperation. As long as you're not directly – because they'll be okay because her husband's a pastor, so she's operating under his authority. Yeah. That's what they're going to come back with and say. I think so too. And, that, and that's going to be the definition of closely aligned. So while you're going to have your law amendment – that says you're only supposed to employ men as pastor, they're going to say, we agree. But you closely align by having a man as a pastor who then exercises the authority. Yeah. That's what they're going to come back and do. And they're going to try to try to cover their bases and make sure that they don't have to have these hard conversations. That's what they want. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. Oh, I, 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 I see it. And, and my only thing is that, yeah, I, I can see how you can – Fuddle the line that way. I mean, you can build your little hedge of protection around it. But um, no, I'm smacking my when the Bible says men, that, I'm just, that's the, the, the thing. Oh, no, it's like you're going to have to answer for that. And that's then, not the problem. That's not the question. They're going to come back with this because they can and because they think this is how they're going to be able to fudge their definitions. Yeah. Speaking of definitions. Okay. That leads us to probably the most unfortunate and difficult thing in this entire group oh the a-r-i-t-f abuse reform implementation task force i keep thinking that's some gun rights thing doesn't it <laughs> a-r-i-t-f is like a-r what about what does a rifle have to do with my this? thing is i wish they could have come up with something I, I wish they could have, like, the a-r-i-t-f doesn't it's too many letters but it doesn't have a spelling so no. that's the difference between <laughs> yeah it doesn't work because what what is that um it's an acronym mm-hmm. if you can say it so like nasa is an acronym yes i believe so fbi is an abbreviation yes so we have an abbreviation but once you get to five letters mm-hmm. you need an acronym you need an acronym so i i don't what's, know what's the word what's what's the actual name of this thing abuse, abuse reform reform implementation Task force. It sounds like some government office that gets paid money to do nothing but um, make you fill out paperwork. <laughs> uh, abuse reform impl- implementation task force. Uh, I have no idea. I'll have to think on that one and see if I can rearrange it to make it make actual. Yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be a way to change the, the definitions around. But yeah, the ARI. It's just our. Yeah, so you fill out paperwork and they rubber stamp it, and now you the task force makes yeah. sure you you have your rubber stamp on stuff. I R- mean, it just sounds it's it's R- 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 R-E-T sounds like something you have to order at the Tashuka. We're going to open. Gotcha. Doesn't it? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. You go to you go to the Tashuka, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the most recent episode. And <laughs> but you go to the Tashuka and you order the R-E-T. the R-E-T. But yeah, when people talk about how the SBC is getting more and more political. Especially in how our presidents act like politicians all the time anyway. And then you see the ARITF, which is an Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force. 
It almost sounds like FBI, it, it EPA, does sound like whatever. Dudes with blue jackets and yellow yes, letters. Yes, it does. It? It, anyway. it does. So it's so, just more government this, symbolism. I mean, it just reflecting of what the government looks this like. This was the should group. Not be. This was the group that was authorized in Nashville mm-hmm. and given a two-year setup, and they were going to try to impose their things for abuse. I I got some ridiculous book from the state convention about it that I read and threw in the trash can because it's pointless. Um, <laughs> Yeah. They were reauthorized this year for another two years. And the reason Uh they were reauthorized is because they have a problem. So they partnered with this business called Guidepost to do their investigations and help set uh, set some things up for them. Guidepost is a train wreck, and we knew it was a train wreck. If you know um, the name Rachel Den Hollander, she basically is the liaison between Guidepost and the Southern Baptist Convention. And she's been interesting, to say the least, in her regards to everything. For some odd reason, she is basically God when it comes to abuse victims. And I can't figure out how she got that status. I don't know either. Cause but she speaks and everybody's like, oh, the wisdom from on high has come down. We must do what the Den Hollander has spoken. Yeah. I mean, yeah she's I don't she's know basically Pharaoh with, you know, Charlton Heston. You know, so it is written, so it shall be done. Like, that's that's basically her. And I don't, again, I don't know how she got this power and authority, but she has it, so it is what it is. Yeah. The, uh, um, the main thing they wanted to do was to get some resources, things like the book that was sent out to me, mm-hmm. the things that they've done, the Caring Well program. Fine. Okay, whatever. I don't care. The biggest thing that they want is they want a website. They want a ministry check website so that if you are a bad person, we can put you on the list. So somewhere between Chris Jericho and Nick Saban, you can be put on the list. (laughs) And once you're put on the list, we all know you're a bad person and churches don't have to hire the bad people anymore. That's basically how this will work. Yeah, they they, – And and the list is going to be important. They want to take the church's – the churches don't want responsibility anymore. No, 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 no. The churches want the responsibility because most people aren't going to use this list. What they want is a cudgel because that way if we put you on the list and you get hired anyway, we have absolved ourselves of liability because – you went against the list. Ah, that's what they're going for. Gotcha. Now, so the seminary they came from, or whatever, is also off, is no longer eligible to be sued for yeah, for teaching these do. people because they're trying to journalists. create a lack of liability by by creating a metric ton of liability. Yeah. So here's how you land on the list, and we've covered this ad nauseum. I think I mentioned this in the prep prep episode, but I'm gonna try to do this again. You end up on the list if you have been convicted of abuse or assault of any kind, like in a criminal court. In which case, a background check would show that. You would think. Okay. It should. If you've done a background check, that would pop. Yes, that would. So that that gets you on the list. Mm-hmm. I got no real problems with that. No, not at all. All right. You can get put on the list if you are held civilly liable in an assault or abuse case. Again. So... So there's a difference between civil and criminal. Yes, This may, may or may not show up on a background check. So okay. a criminal case, you were arrested, tried, convicted, you were sentenced to jail time, probation, something like that. Gotcha. However, if the statute of limitations has expired and you cannot be criminally charged, you can still be held civilly liable. Gotcha. Meaning you have to pay damages to the victim. Uh-huh. Makes sense. Now— there's a lower standard in civil court. So a great famous example of this is O.J. Simpson is criminally not guilty of killing um, his ex-wife and her boyfriend. Nicole. Yeah. The fact that you still remember that. See, I remembered the names, but I wasn't going to say that simply because I didn't want Sorry, to. Sorry, that was like um, middle school. That was big time for me. <laughs> he was criminally not guilty. Yes, I remember the that. The families of the victims, though, received monetary damages because he was found civilly liable. 
Gotcha. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Lower burden of proof. So it becomes iffy when you get to that standard, but there's at least a court. You would think there's evidence and witnesses and things like that. Yeah. All right. Number three, you can get put on the list if you have confessed to assault or abuse in a non-privileged setting. So like if you confess to your attorney, that is a privileged setting. Yes, the attorney can't tell anybody. Nope. Uh-uh. That doesn't count. If, like, say your victim is dead and there's no family to go after you for civil damages yeah. and the statute of limitations has expired, could you see a scenario in which an abuser admits it to someone that I did it and there's nothing anybody can do about it? Yeah, I can well, see that. In that situation, if they're not your attorney or your priest, uh-huh. then they are not, or your counselor, Count, yeah. it's not a privileged conversation. That person can tell. You, they, can, they can rat you out and you can be put on the list. And I know rat you out has negative connotations, but they can, they they can, can tell and yeah. you can get stuck on the list. Again, that's a much lower burden of proof. There's a lot that could go on between A and B there. So, so basically I, confess to a public individual, yes. not a private individual. I mean, it could still, be a private individual. It just has to be someone who's non-privileged. Non, okay, okay. Makes gotcha. sense? Non-privileged. All so right. you, there's a lot sure of weeds that you can get into with that one. That's now, true. As of this year, they are launching the website. And those three criteria will be included to add names to the website. Which means in order to add the name, they need to investigate the individual to make yes. sure all of these three, one question, of these three, and, it and needs to there be put is down question there. about who is doing the investigations. That's a different discussion for another day. Because they should have to hire a local law firm but, or something. Well, to they do want this. a main group, and I get that. But at the same token, they wanted guideposts, and nope. everybody and their uncle was like, "No, no." no. no. So <clears throat> there's still some issue that's going on there. There's some questions about Category 2 and Category 3. People are not happy, though, because there is a fourth category that they are currently not including. The reason why the REIT wanted another year of funding (laughs) is they flat out said, we want another year to try and figure out how to include Category 4. Now, what is Category 4, you might ask? Category 4 is, you want to talk about the weeds. Category 4 is, you can be put on the list if... An independent investigator determines that the preponderance of the evidence makes it more than likely than not that you are guilty. So the evidence shows that you are more likely to be so. An independent investigator has determined Mm -hmm. that the preponderance of the evidence, so not all of the evidence, just... Most of the the evidence shows makes it seem like you're probably guilty. Now, here's the problem with that. They're already facing one lawsuit because of the report they put out before Uh Birmingham. They included a gentleman by the name of David Sills in this report. And David Sills was included in the report on the basis of Category 4. Because David Sills had what he calls a consensual affair with a 20-something-year-old seminary student, mm-hmm. and she called it abuse two decades later. Um, I know. We're not going into the weeds and the why okay. in the case here. Okay. My point is, that's a Category 4 addition. That because is. Because the investigation said, she's credible, he's not. The investigators determined that she's credible, he's not. She says it's abuse, he says it's not. He was not, none of his witnesses were interviewed because he wasn't credible, according to the investigators. So the independent third-party investigator says, 
what the preponderance uh, of the evidence actually is. is. See the problem here? Well, one, they left out evidence. So, But they left out evidence because they're the unbi unbiased, impartial third-party investigator who gets to determine whether or not the preponderance of the evidence points in one direction or another. Oh, See the yeah. problem here? Yes, I do, and I hope they. I hope this gentleman So Indianapolis is going to be real interesting. Right. That's, that's no. Yeah. Indianapolis is going to be really interesting because they're going to spend the next year trying to figure out how to get that category to add it to the website. And what they're going to try to figure out is, again, I'm putting on my profit hat. Uh -huh. I think their problem is... How are we going to add people to the list by this criteria and not get sued into oblivion and not get the near billion dollars in cooperative program funding liable to civil litigation because we were stupid enough to put someone on the, on the website falsely? Yeah, that's, I mean, even the Bible says you have to have credible witnesses. Two or three witnesses. Well, you ignore witnesses for the other side. That does not, that, that means she. See the problem with the third party investigator? Yeah, I mean, unless you're going to have equal amount of witnesses, equal amount of evidence in the same story, and then you have like, a, like five or six people to read it and testimony, and then they, the, the group as a whole comes up, not just one, but as a whole is brought forth the evidence, in which Irrelevant. case you might as well take them to trial. Because Stop talking with your hand. I can't help it. Yes, you can. <laughs> the thing's too close. I will turn this way. Never mind, I won't hit but it no, again. But, you're, but you're, you're hitting on the issue. Yeah, and again, it, that's, this is, that's this not is even why, This is why Category 4 is not included, because the amount of liability this opens them up to is just off the charts insane. Yeah. And so they don't know how they're going to handle this, but they're going to take a year to try to figure it out. Now, that's again why I say 2024 is going to be fascinating, and I'm thrilled that it's only four hours from my house now because I don't have to drive two days to get there. So are we going to have financial accountability? I'm betting not. Same thing. Are we going to have a defensive doctrine? I'm betting if the platform gets their way that we're not. Are we going to have a ridiculous liability standard that is going to turn into a witch hunt? I'm going to bet we probably are. We probably are, and I hope there is a mass exit because there are a lot of good pastors who are going to trust people and get burned bad. Well, I made bad, the mention when bad. I reported back to the church when we came back from the Dallas Convention in 2018. Yes, I, I said that. the uh, I said then that the seeds were sown for a mass exodus from the SBC within the next five years. I'm close. The reason why I said that was not because of any specific thing that happened at the convention in Dallas of 2018, mm -hmm. but because of the rationale that undergirds. And one of the reasons Lou and I do this podcast, and one of the reasons why I preach the way that I do and teach the way that I do, is I try to get people to try to think through things biblically, yes. to establish a good foundation so they can see the problems in the world's foundation, so that they can attack them and then undergird them properly and rightly with biblical truth. What I saw at that 2018 convention was a lot of worldly thinking, secular intersectional thinking, and victim elevation. So yes. in other words, the Mike Pence thing. We don't, I don't want Mike Pence to speak at the convention because I think he's a spineless rat, but that's just me. The, other, the main reason is because we're a religious gathering having business meeting. I don't want a political speech from a political candidate. Exactly. I don't care. Get I can out. love him all they yeah. want. Get out. I, can love, I don't care if they <laughs> raise Ronald Reagan from the dead and have him speak or George Washington himself comes back. I don't want to hear him at my religious meeting talking about politics. That's yeah. me. I agree. There was a large segment, though, at the convention that year that did not want Pence to speak because— well, everybody knows that he's the vice president, and everybody knows that the president that he's the vice president under is a racist, and we have a lot of black and brown friends at this convention who are upset by the fact that we would have a racist speak. And that is not that even... is an intersectional hodgepodge of stupidity yes. that elevates 
fake outrage and fake victim status to a level that I can't even comprehend. But when you realize that that was the majority of the pastors in the room under the age of, say, 40, yeah, and it was probably the unanimous selection of pastors in the room under the age of 30, Yes. You realize where we're going and what's going to happen. Yeah. Sexual abuse thing comes along a couple of years later, and that same group is having the same reaction for the same reasons, and that's yeah. part of what you're seeing. And that's why I said it's going to be fascinating because what you saw was a, a, a an elite structure, what I call the platform. Uh-huh. The people, the powers that be of the SBC go from a, a boomer, baby boomer, older Gen X guard set in stone to a younger Gen X, more uh, millennial-friendly mindset that is buying into worldly philosophies and speculations Well, didn't and then operating under them, which is the yeah. worst part, which is how you get things like Category 4. Yeah. I mean, we also have the CRT thing that came up the next year as yes. a quote-unquote resource or useful, useful analytical tool tool yeah that's it yeah, uh, yeah it's that, a tool all right in 19 yeah it was a but tool all right the, the, but yeah that that another part, little little in, in into the world philosophy whereas Floyd jesus said, himself another brick in, in the, the wall. wall as the bible itself says to not turn to the world philosophies they are all mm-hmm. empty there is nothing there so, so, so yeah this, they are yeah. going against the bible step by step in this this is going to be they don't even see it i'm afraid this is going to be the year and it's going to be interesting to see so keep your ear to the ground executive committee has meetings typically unless there's a special meeting called they have meetings what uh quarterly right i think october uh october october january april and um june because they meet right because april yeah they had a special one in february of last year that's how yeah so unless they have a special called meeting i think they meet quarterly yes and i said it's like october january april and then right before the convention they'll meet and yes. have their quarterly meeting then yeah, I and then i think they have their regular meeting in july after the convention with new trustees and all that good stuff yeah, so and the training and, and all. they will have special meetings because they'll all do zoom and stuff now as they go throughout the year yeah so keep your ear to the ground it'd be interesting to see what those when those reports come out and what they say this has been the recap if we missed anything you're welcome to send an email and i will try to figure it out and we'll cover it at a later date um regularly scheduled programming will resume at some point like i said lou has a life and has to work for a living so when they change a schedule and changes hours around it makes sometimes stuff a little difficult to so we'll get back to some fun things and doing the other stuff in the meantime enjoy don't let this stuff drive you too crazy i try to give you the information and i worry about it so you don't have to until we meet again read your bible it'll do you good bye bye